All right. Open in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And while you're doing that, you can also, if you don't have your um, Bible with you this morning, I'm thankful for Alejandra who said, hey, let's utilize again the YouVersion app. And so she has put together my notes in the, in the app this morning. So if you want to go to your Bible app on your phone, over down in the right-hand corner are three horizontal lines. Click that. It says more. And then search for Metro Believers Church and boom, it'll show that it's a live event. You can um, follow along, add notes to that, email them to yourself, share them with someone else. So it's a great tool. Thank you to Alejandra for doing that last night. All right. My wife said to remind all the ladies that on, also on December 16th is a ladies cookie exchange. Where's that gonna take place? Two of the details are to be that's right here at the church. It's gonna be here at the church, 630. Yep. More details mm -hmm. to come, all right. Also, I wanted um, to let you know, those of you that are parents of littles up to fifth grade, we're going to be kicking off our children's ministries on January 16th. Um, we're going to be dividing them out in nursery to 23 months, 24 months, and then K through first grade, and then second grade, K through second grade, and then third through fifth. So we're going to be using a um, curriculum called Answers in Genesis or Answers Bible Curriculum. It's great. It's an apologetics-focused curriculum that will help your kids defend the faith and learn the gospel over a four-year time span. If your kids are participating in a part of um, the kids' ministry here over four years, they will be led through the entire Bible. They'll be learning scripture um, that is two songs in a contemporary way, skits, crafts, different things like that. Brandon Schwartz is um, helping me um, oversee that and put that together, and he's going to be sharing more on December 5th. But we need leaders um, to help fill some gaps. We need some youth to help with skits and different things and worship. And so more details to come on that on December 5th when, when Brandon shares on that Sunday about the kids' ministry. All right. Doesn't the building look good? Yeah. yeah, it looks a lot better. It's mudded, it's sanded, and it's ready for paint. So let's pray that that happens this week and we can keep everything set up. The kitchen's coming along, cabinets have been ordered, and so it's just a matter of time when those come in and we'll have that already. So good stuff. Let's, um, let's pray. I'm planning on getting right into the message and then Lisa elbowed me into cookie exchange. <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence during worship. Oh, man, it was so sweet, Lord. I thank you, Father, just for that sense of your presence that's here right now. And so, Lord, we open our hearts this morning as we look at your word, um, especially the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, when you gave details about your kingdom that was coming. We sing about that this morning in this last song. And the reason why you came. Lord, you had a different agenda, different rules, different ways to live life, Father, that were divergent from the culture in which you were entering. And Lord, I pray that we would learn today what it looks like to live life as, as you are the king and, and, and reigning above your church. And I pray, Lord, that we would be your disciples who are not just hearers of your word, but doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 5 or in your, in your notes in the YouVersion app. And we're continuing our series this morning um, that I've titled Divergent. 
And we've, um, it's the Sermon on the Mount, living the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. We've talked about the, the Beatitudes and, and a couple weeks ago, um, prior to the International Day of Prayer and the biblical justice emphasis that we had the last two Sundays, a Sunday prior to that, we talked about anger and the prison of offense. And that was a great message. And we're following up today by talking about a subject that has much pain surrounding it in our culture today. It's the byproduct of this issue has destroyed many lives and marriages, and it's the issue of lust. And so that's going to be the topic this morning. And I want to take it as I was praying about this and reading scripture and researching, I just said, I want to take a pastoral approach, you know, as much of a pastoral approach as I can on this subject this morning. But friends, I want to hit this subject head on this morning and deal with it. Okay, I think it's a it's a word. It's a message. It's an issue that we need to wrestle with today. It, like I said, it's destroyed a lot of marriages. It's destroyed a lot of lives. And there's there's a better way. Okay, so I've titled today's message breaking the chains of lust. The chains of lust are strong, but they can be broken in Jesus name. So. Let me just share my journey on this subject. Like most men, most guys, and perhaps some ladies, some women have had similar experiences. When I was in grade school, my cousin invited me to go with him to the bookstore within the mall. We rode our, our bikes together to the bookstore and it was about, I don't know, just three quarters of a mile from my home. And when we arrived at the um, bookstore, we went straight to the magazine area. And I was excited. I was a baseball and football um, collector card person. And I uh, was looking forward to looking at the, the newest edition of the Beckett Sports Card Monthly. How many from like the 80s, early 90s, you know? Um, wanted to see what my Mickey Mantle card was worth now or, you know, whatever. And um, so I picked up the latest Beckett Sports Card Monthly Magazine and began to just look through it. And my cousin was a few feet down from me and he picked out a spin magazine. It was a musical magazine that was popular back in like the, um, in 1989 um, forward. And it wasn't because he was into music or that he really cared about what was in that magazine, but just above where that magazine was, was a list of adult magazines that were wrapped in cellophane. And his eyes were scanning that top shelf. And he was standing there looking around and a few minutes went by and I heard my name as he whispered, hey Lance, trying to get my attention. He said, hey look. And I turned and I saw some images that my eyes shouldn't be seeing. Mixed in with the other magazines, he had found unwrapped one of those adult magazines. And assuming no one was looking, he took that magazine and he stashed it into that larger spin magazine and just stood there. Needless to say, an employee saw him flash those images in my, my direction. She came over, she scolded us, and she asked us to leave, and she said, I'm abandoning you from ever returning to the bookstore. In that moment, so much guilt, shame, embarrassment came over, over me. Not only did I see some things that I shouldn't be seeing, but I was worried that they were gonna call my parents or um, say something to my mom and dad. And so that was the very first time in my life seeing an image like this. And it did something to me. 
Here I am three decades removed from that incident. And, and you know, that, those images imprinted themselves on my imagination. It stuck with me for a long time. And I say that this morning, I share that because it's not a unique story. It's, it's a story that happens or has happened with many men, many women today. And it's a story that, sadly, it's not a row of magazines wrapped in cellophane, but it's, cellophane, but it's just a two-second Google search away. It's a $97 billion industry globally. 30% of the content on the internet is smut and filth. Catch this, 90% of boys and 60% of girls are exposed to it by the age of 18. These lewd internet sites attract more than Amazon, Netflix, and Twitter combined. There's even a Broadway musical called The Internet is for Pornography. And here's the question I want to ask today. Why is there a market for such trash? Why is it a $97 billion industry? Why? Because you and I, as human beings, were created for intimacy. We long for it. It's hardwired into the fabric and the fiber of our being. There's not a person alive today that doesn't long for intimacy. And you can go back to its origin, origin in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The first humans there, Adam and Eve, were created to experience perfect intimacy with each other and with God. They were completely open and honest with each other and with the Lord. And they shared everything. They knew no shame, guilt, or an embarrassment. But these perfect connections were broken when Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan and chose to eat the fruit of the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their sin caused them to go from being naked and unashamed to now hiding and covering themselves with fig leaves, hiding from their creator in the garden. Isn't it ironic that in disobeying God and choosing to eat the fruit from the forbidden tree, that Adam and Eve thought that they were gaining freedom when in reality they were giving up their freedom and becoming slaves to sin? See, friends, the enemy's greatest tactic is to take what God has created, the good that God has created, and twist it and use it for evil. So let me ask this morning, what happens when the good, God-given, original design for humankind gets distorted? Or let me put it this way, what happens when the heart gets unhealthy, when the heart gets sick? Here's what happens. We turn love into lust, and we turn people into objects for our own self-gratification. And Jesus has some strong words about this in verses 27 to 30 of Matthew 5. I want you to look at those words. As I read the words of Jesus in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, I, I invite you to read them not with a, the whisper of the enemy, of a voice of condemnation in your ear, but I want you to read them this morning with an invitation to the Lord saying, Lord, bring conviction where conviction needs to come. Because friends, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay? Conviction is for freedom. And remember, we've said it all through the Stronger Together material in the marriage small groups. What God exposes, he wants to heal. So if he exposes something this morning, it's because he wants to heal it. He doesn't want to heap condemnation on you. 
His Holy Spirit will probably be working and bringing conviction this morning through the word. And we're going to have a response time at the end and we'll deal with it then because there's power to break the chains of lust. So here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks after a woman with a lustful heart, a lustful with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Isn't it sad that we don't hear messages like this in the church nowadays? But Jesus addressed this over 2,000 years ago. And it's something that we need to address today. He said, you heard that it was said. Where did they hear that it was said? From the Ten Commandments, right? It's commandment number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus is unmasking the self-righteous externalism exemplified by the scribes and the Pharisees. Remember, he said, you're careful to clean the outside of the cup, but inside it's dirty. You know, I know what that's like when I get handed a mug at a coffee shop and it looks good on the outside, but it has, you know, lip marks up on the rim or, you know, coffee stains inside. Like you're careful to clean the outside externalism, but he's dealing with, with the motivation of the heart here, the purity of heart. And without that purity, he's saying that the outward portion of appearance a person's life doesn't make any difference. See, People judge by the outside, but remember in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that God looks at the heart of a person, not what's on the outside. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a person thinks within themselves, so are they. How many of you have seen one of these pictures of an iceberg taken, you know, from underneath water, and, and it'll show you, like, this is success, and it'll show the of what's above the surface, but then it shows, like, this big, huge illustration under the surface says to get this you have to do this and and that's what jesus is doing here he's saying um you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery we look at that above the top of the service and we say okay we're good with that we can do that we can check that one off the list but then he's saying i want to get underneath the surface and i want to see what's going on underneath the surface i want to get into your your heart and see what's going on in your heart and i want to do i want to do some introspecting seeing if this heart is healthy or if it's sick right i want to deal with your heart so he wants to get to the root of the reason of why anybody would want to commit adultery in the first place so it goes directly to their heart not what's on the surface he looks at their behaviors their actions their motivation Proverbs 4.23 says, well, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it springs or flows the things of life. There's no such thing as a oops when we make a mistake or we commit a sin or man, that wasn't me or that wasn't, that was completely unlike me. Have you ever heard, heard that said or said that yourself? You know, that, that wasn't me or that was completely like me. The truth is it was you. You did it. Okay? You own it. You don't rationalize it. You don't justify it. You don't try to cover it up because it's you. You did it. But again, what Jesus exposes, he wants to bring healing to. Matthew 5, 19, he talks about this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. 
Jesus wants to address all those things head on. But the first thing you have to realize is that they're coming from under the surface. If you see a tree and it's bearing bad fruit, and you walk over and you're like, man, I don't want people to see this bad fruit on the tree, and you pluck the bad fruit, guess what? If you don't deal with the root, the bad fruit's going to come back. Right? you got to sever the root. you got to get to the root of the issue. In order to hear what Jesus is saying, we need to acknowledge what he's not saying. And I think this is important. First, Jesus is not saying that our sexuality is bad. He's not teaching that our sexuality is dirty, that it's wrong, because he's the designer of our sexuality. It's his idea. There's parts of our body that he created for physical pleasure. And God goes, that's all me. I created you that way. That was my idea. Second, God is not anti-sex. He's the most pro-sex being in the universe. And if you don't believe it, read Song of Songs. <laughs> Next, Jesus is not saying that acknowledging a person's attractiveness is a sin. You know, God made certain individuals physically attractive. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus says, listen, we're all created in the image of God and simply acknowledging a person's attractiveness does not, um, does not mean that, that that's wrong or that that's sin. It can lead to sin, but it's not sin in and of itself. Next, Jesus is not saying that temptation is a sin. It's, it's following, falling into temptation or carrying it out that makes it a sin. James 1, 14 and 15 speaks to this. It says, but each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Right? Brian, it's not a sin to eat the rest of Alyssa's burrito after you finished your meal until you put it in your mouth. I want to make sure he's listening. So here's a question. What is Jesus saying? Look at verse 28. It says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There's multiple words there for look. And um, if you do a word study and you go back to the original Greek language, the word that Jesus use, uses here, amongst other words, means to look with the intention of holding on. Look with the intention to hold on to to dominate, to possess. It's, you can almost picture it as, a, as tracing somebody's body with your eyes. It's like, man, he was looking me up and down. Have you ever heard that said before? Or um, he was undressing me with his eyes. It's this desire to hold on, to trace, to, to possess, to dominate. There's another word for look in the Greek that means to look with the intention to. It's like to, to focus on and be so focused on and have this intention, um, this passionate desire that's not, that's not, you know, desi that desire, kind of like a spoiled kid that's looking at that toy that the other kid's playing with, or it's like um, my dog looking, at, my little dog looking at 
that the older dog being looking at Bandit and saying, I want that toy, and he's focused on it, and he's not satisfied until he gets it, you know? And then it's like, all right, I don't need that toy anymore. And just kind of throw it, throw it off. It's like the thrill of the hunt. Focus, this desire to possess, an intention to dominate. Lust, then, is focused on an object. So when a man lusts after a woman, he takes away the mystery of their personhood, all that they are, all that they've been created in the image of God, all the gifts that they have, the purposes that they have, and they, they strip all that way away, and they just see them as an object to possess, to dominate, to hold on to. And why do I say men? Because Jesus is talking here specifically to men. But it's not just a male issue, it's a female issue in our culture today too. If Jesus was maybe speaking to women in our culture today, in our modern day and age, he might say something like this. A woman who lusts or passionately desires after a man, she usually desires riches or power or fame or things like that. What's going on here is not only a desire that has gone off track, but a God-given imagination that we all have that's been distorted. Because the imagination is a good thing, right? When it's working right, it's a beautiful thing. It's why we have several companies right now that are creating um, rockets that can go to space. You know, what is it? The Origin and Amazon and, and um, Virgin and all these different companies. And we have all these sorts of inventions all around us like 3D printing, robotic hearts, you know, um, robotic pancreas. Um, touch screen glass, electric cars, and more because people are using their God-given imagination for the good or the advancement of, of technology and dreaming up new things. But that same God-given imagination, when distorted and used for the wrong purposes, has the ability to take us to some pretty dark places. And Jesus is saying that when a person lusts, that's what's going on. But underneath it all, Going back to what I said at the beginning, it's all birth. It all starts, its origin is in this desire for intimacy. I like the way G.K. Chesterton put it. He says, the man who knocks on the door of the prostitute is really looking for God. Wow. That's the longing. That's what's underneath. I did something that I thought was pretty cool. God led me to 1 Corinthians 13. Because so many today equate love with lust. But that's not how the scripture defines love. Think about this as I read 1 Corinthians 13. It says love is patient, not immediate. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. Love does not dishonor others, sees them for who they are. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. It's not self-seeking, which everything I've dressed about the issue with lust is all about self, 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 me, me, me. More, more, more. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. 
So here's the core of the human problem that Jesus is, is addressing. We use what God intends us to love, and we love what God into, intends for us to use. Did you catch that? We use what God intends us to love, and we love what God designed to be used. Think about that for a minute. We use what God designed to be loved and we love the stuff, the physical possessions. We're patient with those things. Honey, why did you wash my tools? Right? Why'd you, why? get out of my garage. Patient with those things, we protect those things. But possessions weren't designed to be loved. People were. And this is what Jesus is pushing it back against. Because remember, all of this is in the context of how we do life in the kingdom of God. You've, you've heard it said. But I tell you. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But if you look after a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He was flipping the script on them. He was saying, you can keep the law, you can check the box, but it's not about what's on top of the surface, it's about what's lurking underneath. I want to deal with those things. Because if you're going to be a salt, if you're going to be a preserver in the city, if you're going to be a light in the city, if you're going to be a city on a hill, then you're going to live divergent from the culture so that you can bring glory to my name. So church, we have to wrestle with this this morning. We have to get freedom with this this morning. We've got to address it on a heart level. And Jesus has strong words for this in this next section, which I'll get to in just a minute. But he said that the heart that's consumed with lusts is as hell or Gehenna. Gehenna is a place, it's, it's a place for the wicked. It's a place where it says that the fire burns and never goes out. And if you've ever been in this position where you're actively fighting against lust and you don't seem to be winning, it can feel just like it. It can feel like a fire on the inside of you that you just can't put out. And you live with constant shame, guilt, and embarrassment. So if you're saying to yourself this morning, okay, Pastor Lance, I get it. I get it. What do I do about it now? This next section, verses 29 and 30, gives the answer. Verse 29 says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And then verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And it's a good thing that as I look around the room today, that everybody has both eyes and both hands. That's a good thing. And we don't have a classroom set up in the back for after service where we're going to be cutting off hands or, um, you know, plucking out eyes. So don't worry about that. You know, oftentimes people say we, we take the, the Bible literally. It's not so much about taking the Bible literally. We should say that we take it intelligently. 
we, we read it, we study it, we, we look at it in its cultural and historical context, we, we break it down, we meditate upon it, we look at key words, we look at um, the people in the story, and that's how we get to the, the truth. And those that say they take the Bible literally, have you ever heard somebody say that? And, and, um, and they have both hands and both eyes, you know. <laughs> I think it's better for us to say rather um, we take it intelligently and, and like I said, and that we ask you know, the five W's and, and the one H. When, where, who, what, why, and how. Because if Jesus really wanted to deal with this problem, it wouldn't be, he wouldn't be talking about, in a literal sense, he wouldn't be talking about the eyes, right, or the hands. He would be talking about some other body parts that if we cut <laughs> off might take care of the majority of the problem. Just saying. So if we read Jesus' words and go, the goal is to avoid adultery, then we're missing the point too. Right? If we read this and go, well, the goal is not to lust then, how many of you think that's been working for people? You know? That's not been getting the job done. And it's not willpower alone. I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. It's not going to get the job done. So here's what it looks like to fight for our hearts. I think first we've got to admit that in some way, all of us are sexually broken. All of us. This is a human reality in a broken world. And it manifests itself in different ways. We all carry wounds, right? We can't just be carried along with the desire without ever discerning if it's a healthy desire, if it's a God-given desire. You know, like, if it feels good to you, then do it. That's not, that's like the mantra of our culture, but that's not the way that a Christian is supposed to live. We've got to become aware that there's probably some things from our past and there's probably some things from our present that bring about some semblance of brokenness in our lives and we've got to bring those things to God instead of, instead of just as Jeremiah um, 2.13 says, digging cisterns that won't hold water. You know, sometimes it's, it's not enough just to, to, to say, I'm not going to do it or I'm not going to look or I'm going to stay away from that thing. We need to bring it to God. We have to bring God into the equation. Those things don't hold water. Friends, God can handle our brokenness. As dark as it is, as painful as it is, he, he's God and he can handle it. Number, number two, here's what the scriptures teach. It says, flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 20 says, and I want, I want to note here that Paul's writing to a church that came out um, of a, a very dark background. They worshiped the, the goddess Aphrodite, the, the sexual goddess, they were involved in um, temple prostitution. Um, there, it was great immorality um, that was happening. And so this is Paul's advice to this church. It's, it's like this was their background, and now they're, now they're the church, and that was messy. And Paul was like, we need to clean you up a little bit here. And so here's my advice to you. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
Honor God with your bodies. How do you flee sexual morality? I like what PG would um, teach, Pastor Glenn, the former pastor would teach um, in, in, in this regard. He would say, in times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. In times where you're doing good and you, you seem to have a handle on this and, and you're doing well, put, put together boundaries and safeguards to keep you from going there. And there was a, an acronym um, that he used and it was called HALT. Because usually when we're tempted to sin or we're tempted to, to lust, it's, it's during times that we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I don't know about you, but those are times when I'm the most vulnerable. Hungry, angry, put those two together, hangry, lonely, or tired. In times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. Figure out when, where, and why you usually struggle. If it's late at night and it's your phone, then put your phone down. Turn it off, put it away, put it in the other room. If it's your tablet, your computer, shut it down. I knew a guy that his wife, the only way he can get on online at home and he worked from home is that his wife knew the passcode to his computer. He didn't know it. Now that may not be for everybody, but it was something that he needed to do in his home. I'm saying in times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. I know other people who have gotten rid of their smartphone because it wasn't so smart to own one. And they got a dumb phone instead so they couldn't access those sites. Other people have put accountability software on their computer like Covenant Eyes or Ever Accountable. There's a, there's a good website called puredesire.com. Um, it's, it's a part of the ministry where Stronger Together has come from. There's some great resources there. I encourage you to go check it out. Here's, what, here's the way Martin Luther said it. You cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And Jesus is saying radical amputation equals radical transformation. You've got to do what you've got to do to have victory and freedom in this area. Third, here's what we do. We cultivate healthy intimacy. If you're married, the Bible commands to not withhold sex from your spouse. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Session 4 of Stronger Together dealt with this. It was brought up in, in that session that this verse doesn't condone physical or emotional coercive behavior. So there's limits on this, boundaries. But 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, Paul says, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. And then he gives the reason for not depriving each other. He says, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The scriptures are saying, just know that what you do with your physical body has an influence on your spiritual life. Number one. Number two, and know that when you're deeply satisfied in your relationship with your spouse, the devil has less room to attack. Finally, and I think most importantly, the best thing you can do to keep your soul healthy is worship. Just know that you're a son and daughter of God. It's huge. Man, I was experiencing that this morning. 
singing those songs. See, the person who walks in the most freedom is the person who has the most confidence that they're loved by God. And then I would say the second thing, that they're loved by their spouse or they've got a circle of people who love them. The good news today is there's forgiveness when we mess up and we blow it. Invite the worship team to come. No matter what you've ever done or will do, there's freedom here at the cross. And the ground is level at the cross. There's freedom. There's nothing that you could ever do that the blood of Jesus can't cover and bring freedom from. And that's the good news this morning. We wrestle with these things. I like how the scripture talks about it. It says that we, we wrestle with our salvation, with fear and trembling. We take it serious. We, we do something about it. We seek out help. You know, if it takes accountability software and then a couple guys or a couple ladies to keep us accountable. Guys with guys, ladies with ladies. But we do what it takes, right? Because we want to live in purity. We want to live the kingdom life. What will it look like for Jesus to rule as king over my life and to value his crown creation? You know, it says that, that we treat one another, and scripture talks about treating one another as sisters that are our age, or we, we treat those that are older than us like, like a mom, or we treat the, the younger girls like daughters. I think having that perspective changes a lot of things. This, this is a person created in the image of God. This is a person who has plans and purposes for her life, not an object, you know, to bring gratification to, not someone for me to hold on and to possess the trace of my eyes, to dominate, but a daughter of God, but a daughter of God. A stand this morning. Father, we prayed at the beginning, Lord, that we would hear your word, not, not from the whispers of the enemy, whispers of condemnation, Lord, but we invited your Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Lord, we're all loved in this room this morning. And I thank you, Lord, Romans 8, 1, so there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It talks about the power of your Holy Spirit in Romans 8, Lord. And Lord, as I prayed, as, as others have been praying this week and the ladies gathered this morning to pray for the service, Lord, we believe that your presence is here. We ask you to come to invade this atmosphere. We thank you, Father, for, for that just that heaviness of your glory that's here right now. 
And we just trust, Lord, with hearts open, Lord, that you are, you are poking and prodding because we're inviting you in and saying, search me, O God. Search me, O God. See if there be anything that's out of place in my life. I surrender it to you right now. Church, just surrender those things to the Lord right now. Bring those things before the Lord. Let him do some poking and searching, some introspection. Say, Lord, you know, bring my heart under a microscope. Just search it out. Even the small areas, Lord, I surrender to you. Even those little things, Lord. Just as much as the big things, Lord. Even the attitude behind, behind this. We give them to you. We surrender them to you right now. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you're, you're here this morning, you've been walking around this wall, you know, just believing for it to fall. You said it hasn't fallen yet. There's, there's freedom this morning. He wants to break the chain, break the chains of lust or whatever it may be in your life. He wants to heal. He wants to heal and cut the root. He wants to heal those wounds that are playing themselves out in this way. You're a child of God. You're loved by Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, I just the Bible says if you confess Him, that He is Lord and you believe in your heart, that He is who He says He is, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that He was buried, but He didn't stay buried. He's resurrected and He's alive today, and that He has power to work on your behalf. If you, if you confess that and believe that, you are saved. So I just encourage you right now just to say, Lord, come into my heart, come into my life. Be my Savior, be my leader, be Lord. I give you control. sing this last worship song together. All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? sins once another and you will be healed I don't know about you but I believe what it says and there are people here this morning who would love to pray with you and believe with you so I'm going to ask if the elders and the wives just on the sides maybe in the back if you want someone to pray with you, Pastor Jeff and Debbie in the back too. Just find someone this morning and um, something like the Holy Spirit just like poked on something or touched something. And you said, yeah, I need freedom there. You don't have to like speak all the details out, but just 
go in a sign of confession, sometimes it just takes a step and it's like you're breaking. And you take another step and you're breaking it off. And you're taking another step and you're, you're breaking it off. You're breaking that thing it's, that's hold on your life. You're, you're cutting it off. You're getting to the root. Then it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here. You, 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 you're confessing. You, you get your circle. And you say, brother, I, I need help in this area. Can we meet together? You get your wife. And, and you say, honey, I, I, need, I need you. You know, the Bible says that our wives are not, you know, it said, our wives are taken, but going back to Adam and Eve, Eve was created and handcrafted uniquely from, from a, a rib bone, from Adam's side. It's, it's a sign of like protection and, and covering. God has not called our wives to be, you know, um, the people who just pick up our dirty drawers and, and, and cook dinner for us and things that there are, there's a scripture verse in the Hebrew that says, there are Azor. They're our protector. They, they're our defender. They do battle for us. They keep us pure. That's a picture of a wife. Bring your wife in on the battle and say, honey, I confess this and I want healing. Will you stand with me in prayer? I'm thankful for the women that are getting together and praying on Monday nights for their, for their husbands. When I hear... There was a time when, not that long ago, that just came to me just now when um, even, even with this building, when we were supposed to be in the other building and it fell apart and I was driving down Connie Road M and I was just really down about it and I didn't want to tell the guys because I didn't want them to be discouraged and I felt like I was carrying this alone and, and Lisa reached over and grabbed my hand and just started to pray and said, we rebuke you, Satan. We believe, God, that you have a purpose and plan for this church. And it broke me in that moment to see my wife stand in the gap for me and contend with me in prayer. And not only, not only my spouse, but there are others in this room who have done the same thing. There's brothers in this room, there's sisters in this room who text and say, I'm praying for you. Friends, let's get serious about breaking the enemies back in this area, breaking the chains. God has a purpose and plan for your lives. You are created in the image of God. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him keep you um, walking around in shame, guilt, and embarrassment because if he can do that, he's got you right where he wants you to do and you cannot be any force, you cannot be any threat to the kingdom of hell. So we strip that off right now and we, we seek freedom. We do battle. We do battle. We do battle, church. And the battle is the Lord's. Father, I just pray right now. I pray that individuals would step out from where they're at. Lord, that they would not allow the enemy's lie right now to keep them in their seat if they're supposed to step out and find freedom. I pray that you give them the courage right now, Lord, to go to somebody, to somebody, and say, I need prayer. It's the first step, Lord. It's the first step is admitting, Lord, acknowledging that there's, there's, there's a need, admitting that there's, that there's um, a need for healing, and Lord, I thank you that your word says that confession brings healing. Radical amputation. Doing something radical, Lord, brings radical transformation. That's the message of, of this scripture. And that's what you're doing, radical things, as you ushering in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you're the king that's on the throne.
Thank you, Lord, that this is your crown creation, Lord, that you are fighting for, that you're contending for. Thank you, Lord, that the battle is yours. Lord, that the enemy has no power over our lives, that we're sons and daughters of God, created in the image of God. Lord, all the things that the Bible says for us, all the promises are yes and amen. Lord, we can take them to the bank. Lord, they have value. And we thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you're working. And Lord, I just pray, Father, for wisdom right now. I pray, Father, for strategic. Lord, just like a, like in the military, Lord, there's like a, this covert operation, this strategic operation, Lord. There's, there's um, all different levels in, of, of servicemen and women, Lord, who are taking up different stances, Lord. I thank you that you're building that up here at NBC. And we take, we, take our, we take up our equipment. We take up the things that you've given us, Lord. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We take up the helmet of salvation and we, and we put that on right now. We take up the, the breastplate of righteousness, Lord. And um, Lord, we desire to live pure and right lives, Lord. We, we take up the gospel shoes of peace, Lord. To, to go in strength into this city and this community, Lord. And bring the good news, Lord. The gospel shoes of peace, Lord. Lord, we, we, we put around ourselves the belt of truth, and we heard your truth this morning, Lord, and we apply it because there's freedom in your word. Thank you, Jesus. If you know my word and you do it, you'll be free. Thank you, Father, for freedom. Thank you for freedom. Just step out, find someone to pray with. Let's just turn this room for the last few minutes into a place of prayer. People of prayer, just begin to pray out right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing that song one more time. Here again. And as Judah begins to sing, if you have it, and you feel led, just to step out and find one of the elders, Pastor Jeff and Debbie in the back, and just pray. 